What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam, is an actor again, Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, the wackiest hijinks and analysis. Big shot movie actor Adam Kalal. How are you doing, sir? Graham, I'm doing excellent. Thank you for bringing that up for me. Um, for those of you who don't know me that well, Graham Waldrop here has made a couple of films in the past, a full independent feature length, along with uh, you know some smaller shindigs. Yeah, and I'm I've I've pretty much always acted in them, and kind of as a joke. But I'm not terrible. No, you're you're like uh, for our movie that actually was you know the independent feature. He he played a he was in one scene. I just like I need just the consummate white guy to come over for for dinner with with his wife. Yeah, and that was like like why audition people like there's hardly any dialogue. Just get get the man in a in a little dress shirt and tie and just have him be himself. Yeah. So so I feel. Relatively comfortable doing it now, yeah, and thanks to really all, all my history with you. Yeah, you did a really good job. So today I showed up for what I thought was like a staff photo shoot at work, but it turned out they were shooting like a marketing, like little short film to try to like get people to come to this property. And they're like, hey, you in the back, can you like pretend to walk up those stairs? And I'm like, okay, I can do that. So then they, they saw me do that and they're like, okay. Come be the barista. So, th- <laughs> so next thing you know, I'm being a barista. It's just very silly, and I'm doing I'm extra acting for three hours. Did you have any uh, any dialogue? No. Okay. But I knew to just. Con- I was like, let's just keep conversation going here. Just yeah. look very natural. Move right. your hands some. Right. You know, we can talk about whatever. It's going to look great on camera. You knew what you're talking about. Yeah, you can't you can't be stiff out there, Graham. Now here's the question. Here's the real question. I know you have a problem with uh, the free lunch. Uh, that happens for, for people that work on the film crews. Uh, he's shaking his head right now, as I said, uh, left to right, not up and down. Did you get a free lunch at him? You know, it was funny because I was talking to some people were actors, some people weren't. When I would go do my little different scenes, I probably had about six different uh, stations they set me up in. And one of them, that was the first actual like actor I talked to, was complaining about being parched and not having water. And at the time, I was like, ah, come on, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You should not bring a water bottle. But then by the end of this, absolutely, I wanted my free lunch, and I got my free lunch, and it was great. Oh, you did. Very good. Yeah. Sandwich, cookie, chips, Coke. Wow. Pretty standard. So so are now, but aren't you a hypocrite now for accepting the free lunch? I can change my mind, Graham. I've right. changed my mind on the free lunch opinion. And you, you, it seems like whenever you are offered the free lunch, which you were on, on my movie as well, you were more than happy to right. take and, it. Right. And I understand why you want the free lunch. Yes. Yeah. Acting's tough work. It is. It Very is. hard, especially when you're a barista in the background. It is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have no idea the pressure. One of the most there. challenging roles you've had to date, for sure. You know what else is challenging, Graham? Please. Being a general manager of an NFL football team. Particularly an NFL football team that has uh, the history of the Atlanta Falcons. And because it's such a... Uh, it's a big show, Graham. It is. Post-Falcons draft, we've been squawking about this Falcons draft... For months now, pretty much since like the third game of the season, really. We've been talking draft, draft, draft. We felt that we needed to bring on a third voice for this show to kind of talk us through this. And this particular voice I was texting with last week during the draft, and he was livid. So I was like, you seem like you have a lot of opinions, sir. He also watches a lot of college football, which is true. And he knows about college, good point. He knows about college football players. Uh, which Graham and I don't. So, uh, 
Arthur Roach is here on the show today. Welcome, hey guys. Arthur. Thanks for having me. How's it going, Arthur? It's going okay. I've, I've definitely calmed down since last week, which is good. I was I was in a bad way that first and second night of the draft watching watching the Falcons, you know, dribble all over their chin. So um, definitely not as angry and livid as I was, you know, now there's some time between that, but I definitely still have some opinions as well. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Great, great to have you back. And let's, I think we should start by just like, Graham, you're, you're normally the guy that recites like, and the first round draft on this guy. You, you kind of do all of that. So can you can you can do, do that, that for again? Us? Sure. Yes. I thought you were going to say I'm going to do it now. You no, 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 no. Okay, this yeah. is this is your your job, <laughs> Mr. Falcon. Right. So Adam and I, uh, after we recorded the last episode, decided to go to Corner Tavern to watch the NFL draft, and we're we're sitting there, and we're like, oh my god, the Falcons pick is coming up. There's so many good people that are still left, even though that uh, that Neil guy from Alabama got taken, and then there's another defensive end that got taken that we wanted. And so we're like, we gotta trade back. We gotta trade back. Maybe we get that Jameson guy from Florida State. But no, we drafted one Drake London, wide receiver from USC, with the eighth overall pick in the draft this year. And immediately, you and I just looked at each other and were dejected. Well, it was we're gonna miss. It, it was bad timing because it was offensive linemen that were that were taken right before us. Like the two beast, beastly offensive linemen. Yes, were drafted like literally. The two picks before us. Right, and then Hutchinson, the menace, uh, the excuse me, the Michigan guy, uh, who's defensive end, I think, got 14 sacks. And, of course, the beast, Trayvon Walker, was drafted number one overall. So they were taken you know, well before we could pick. But yeah, my, my gut reaction to Drake London was, yeah, I was very disappointed in the pick. I mean, first of all, just the name. <laughs> Drake London. Like, I, I was calling him London Drake already. Me like, too, yeah. You know, and I hear he's tall, but he's slow. Yeah, I mean, he had a pretty good – I know nothing really about him, but just looking at the stats, uh, 1,300 yards receiving, eight touchdowns. I think it only eight games last year for USC before he broke his ankle. But really, you know, we didn't really have anything. He didn't look like a really huge speed guy, but he, he has a very thick physical body. It looks like he can, you know, fight some people off, you know. He doesn't look like another Olmide Zacchaeus or even a, a Calvin Ridley in terms of how small Calvin was. He looks like a you know big-bodied receiver. But Arthur, you're the college football experts. Tell us what to uh, expect from this guy. Yeah, so not too much on Drake London, but it's it's the players that we also had. So he was the first wide receiver off the board. Correct. Um, so I had a problem with that because this is such a deep wide receiver class, and we kind of saw that after um, after we picked at eight. Um, you guys mentioned the two offensive tackles that were taken right before our pick, but there was actually one pick right after us as well um, from Mississippi State. Um, I think Cross is his name. Um, he's a big mauler, really good. I think that would have been a good option for us as well. So it's not like, you know, all the all the good tackles were off the board and we, oh, no, I guess we got to switch switch up and get a wide receiver. Um, there was still an offensive tackle on the board. But, you know, back to what I was saying about the wide receivers, this is such a really good deep wide receiver class. I think we probably got maybe the third or fourth, in my opinion, best wide receiver, which is frustrating. Um, I think the best wide receiver in the class was the guy of Arkansas, um, who ironically is the one that is most, you know, built most like London um, Burks out of Arkansas, like I said. So um, I was, you know, I didn't hate taking the wide receiver. Initially, I did. You know, knee jerk reaction was, you know, damn it, wide receiver. Like, that's not something we should be building around right now. 
Um, I mean, obviously we took Pitts fourth last year, which is, I know he's, he's listed as a tight end, but come on guys, he's a wide receiver. He's a big body wide receiver, just like we got, you know, at, at this pick. So, um, you know, just kind of disappointed to see that. Um, I know that I had been talking to Adam a lot, which this is funny that he dropped so far in the draft, but I was a huge, you know, take a swing on Malik Willis guy. Um, mm. Maybe not at eight, but trade back and, and just get some picks. And again, even trading back at that spot and getting like a, you know, an 18th first rounder and, you know, a third or fourth rounder would have been worth it to me. I mean, I just really thought that we were kind of, if we didn't go offensive tackle, there's really no reason to, to keep that number eight pick. It also comes down to the makeup of your team too, because it's, mm-hmm. to me, it's a very cart, cart before the horse pick. You know, at that point we yeah. had, you know, our quarterbacks, Mariota. Our offensive right. line is pretty much exactly the same as it was last year. We have two good ones, three shitty ones. Um, you know, our defensive line sucks outside of Gray Jarrett. So it's like, mm-hmm. why are we taking a receiver now when we clearly need so much help in the interior of, uh, of, of both lines? And it's just so mm-hmm. frustrating to me that that was the pick when there were still viable options to take in terms of tackles, in terms of defensive linemen um, in that pick, or trade back, like you're saying, a crew draft capital. You're not going to do that, so I'm 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 a wait and see guy on term in terms of London mm-hmm. in terms of what he can do, but but um I I don't know it's just I just feel like this was a this was a misfire by the organization in terms of uh, in, in terms of what our needs are right now. Yeah, you can you can say all you want best player available, but that best player that best player's development is going to be absolutely stymied because he's not going to be able to really do much this year um, because the quarterback's going to have no time to throw the fucking ball. The the, the optimist take here is. Which I like to give because I know that's not your game. No, not at all. Um, I I kind of like the fact that we started the run on wide receivers. Like that to me made it feel a little bit better. Why that there were so many wide receivers taken in the first round? Because that, that makes no sense to me. Sure, yeah. it does. Yeah, I don't know. Because then it's not no. like a positional. It's like oh, some people say it's not okay to draft a wide receiver in the first round, but then like ten other teams did. Well, that doesn't make it a good pick. Okay, though. so uh, to that effect, you know, we drafted London at eight, and. Trayvon Burks was drafted at like late teens, and to me they're the same player. So that makes I mean it even I mean it just m- means you're paying more for the same thing. So well, it doesn't make it like that. That's the the reason that there are so many wide receivers. And that, what was it like five wide receivers taken in the first round? I mean they're they're good wide receivers that were taken in the second round. Like to to Graham's point, you gotta you gotta build something, and and that's why I brought up Kyle Hamilton at safety. Because that's a, a, a guy you can plug in. You know, he's not going to be affected, you know, as much by other folks on the on the field. Um, I mean, London's going to be affected by the offensive line play, the quarterback play, the run game. He's going to be affected by all that, and he might touch the ball, what, eight times a game maybe? So that's why, I mean, I was a huge proponent of an offensive lineman because they affect the play every single play. Right. Yeah. So to me, that, yeah, why, it's like, you know, yeah, I'd rather young guys who are going to see the field at all, you know, who are going to literally impact almost every play, like you're saying. I'd rather them right. get the experience now, you know, suck it up for a year, take your licks, learn, develop, and then bring in the right. skill guys when you built that foundation. Or why, why can't you do it opposite, though? Why? That's what they're doing. Yeah, but what's wrong? So, like, the general, the other idea that I was, I was trying to get a point, assuming... Like Arthur says, he's maybe what'd you say? He was like the third or fourth best wide receiver in the draft. London. I don't know, but yeah, to, to me, you know, I think Burks and um, Jameson Williams and um, both of the guys from Ohio State, I would have taken before 
So Drink London. These are all needs for us. Offensive lines a need. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, would I would say cornerback's probably not really a big need either. But I would say yeah, generally yes. Offensive so, line, defensive line, so linebacker, in theory, receiver. We could have had the best wide receiver in the draft versus like the third or fourth best offensive tackle. I'm I'm going to be anti wide receiver first round no matter who it is. You could put Jesus yeah. Christ out there and I'd be like, why are we drafting him? You know, it's yeah. like. I, I it's just a luxury get it. position. Yeah, I mean, to that's, me, that's this year. It's a luxury like position. The Bills need to draft because they're almost complete. Right. Is the right. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see how he pans out, and I'm you know I'm a little concerned about his his ankle injury. How's he going to uh, recover from that? But you know, nah. the 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 optimist take I will say um, is now you have Pitts and you got London. And your your receipt your your uh, your receivers room has has been upgraded um, significantly. Even if these guys are probably not going to have that big of an impact this year because of the line and the quarterback play and things like that. I think you know maybe next year they start really picking it up if we have a good draft with uh, offensive lineman defensive lineman next year. I don't know. Well, and maybe next year Calvin Ridley is actually back. No, Calvin Ridley's fucked. He's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> last person that's a possibility. I want. That's a possibility. That's the last person I want to put any faith in. Sure. Yeah. But then, yeah, I mean, if, if Drake London's your number two, that's pretty good. No, that could be. If, if really would play like he did, you know, in 2018, but 2019. I, that doesn't matter. But at, you're right, though. At the, end, at the end of day one of the draft, I felt really bad about that. Yeah. But too. I felt better after what we did on day two. All right, let's talk about day two. So we drafted, uh, I'm going to butcher this poor young man's name, Arnold Ibikiti from Penn State. Um, he's a defensive end. I was like, thank God we drafted a defensive end. Um, he had nine and a half sacks out of Penn State. Uh, he's six foot two, 250. He's, he's, he's a doctor just like you, Graham. He is a doctor just like me. Yeah. Um, not really familiar with, with what he practiced, but I know he was a doctor. You've heard his nickname, right? No. He, he's he, a doctor of pass rushing. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we have. Uh, we, we have that in common. But <laughs> uh, we had to give up the, f- the 43rd pick and the, um, and the 114th pick, the Giants, for the 38th pick. So we traded up to get this guy. Um, I don't know much about him. I'm just glad we drafted a, an edge rusher who almost had double-digit sacks last year. Um, he's also a guy that I think transferred over from, from Temple and then really balled out in his one year at Penn State. So... Interested to see how he fits in and how he can help Grady Jarrett get some pressure on the damn quarterback this year. Um, whenever you're you're talking about an edge player that's undersized, I think we have flashbacks of the Vic Beasley pick. Yeah. Um, even though this is second second round, so um, not going to be you know quite as you know as deadly if it doesn't pan out. But again, this is kind of where teams are made um, in that second, third, fourth range. So um, you know, I, I don't know a ton about him. Um, I like that. Um, you know, he transferred from a smaller school to a bigger school. That's generally um, generally a good sign these days. I mean, that's that's just as good as you know having a four or five star rating coming out of high school. Um, you know, it's I like that. You know, it's he's gone through several evaluations, and you know, a big school said, "Yeah, let's let's use this guy," and, and then he actually performed. So, um, yeah, I uh, I think that was a good pick, and I obviously it was a a position of need. Um, like we just said, all positions are positions of need but um definitely want to try to get those sack numbers up i think we were we were dead last in the nfl yeah. by like 
20 sacks or something yeah, crazy. I don't only know. Only 18 right, sacks. But, I think um, there were three players. I didn't get to the QB very much. Yeah, there were three players, I think, that had more sacks individually than we did as a team last year. Adam, I know you were concerned about undersized defensive linemen, but you, you like this pick from what I'm uh, – what I'm what I'm hearing. Well, he's like two sixty, right? Two fifty. Two fifty. Six foot two, two fifty. He's yeah. short too. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, Vic was Vic was pretty pretty tall in like what two forty, so yeah. he was a little bit more wiry. Um, but yeah, this I would still say you know two fifty. Yeah, I think a six two. But from what I understand about him, he's got immense speed. He also had eighteen tackles for a loss. Um, last year, so I mean that, that that means he's also helping out a lot in the short passing mm-hmm. game and the run game. So uh, it seems like he has an insane motor. I um, mean, to get yeah. 18 tackles for a loss in a college football season is no no uh, small feat. Yeah, and that was the knock on um, the other pass rushers out of Florida State that transferred from Georgia. Uh, Jeremy Johnson, he had you know great sack numbers, but he didn't have a ton of tackles. So an indication he wasn't playing the run mm-hmm. all that well. Um, but yeah, this guy obviously with the um, with the tackles for loss can obviously you know do do a little bit more. I just think it was good to see them like trade up to get this guy. Like this guy, a lot of people had him rated as the first round talent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you could kind of see the process, the logical process that we all thought they'd be going. It's like obviously you need to add on the D line, so for them to trade up, get their guy, it's a good thing. Yeah, are you concerned about his size? I mean, as long as he's not just a speed guy, that was Vic's thing as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. He was just a speed rusher, had no moves. Yeah, and Vic Vic never really played the run or the pass very well. I mean, he was put into positions to do that, but he was playing. He was almost playing like a hybrid linebacker and thing that was just did not fit his skill set. But yeah, he's he's a guy. He's probably out of all the picks, he's the one I'm going to be watching the most. I think because attack the quarterback. Right? Well, we do just have a history of failing on. Defensive lineman in the second round. Right. But this is a new regime, so hopefully we have better scouts yeah. in place to actually identify uh, identify talent. The Braves had a history of not winning World Series, and that's changed. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Can't look at history anymore. No. History is fucked. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, now we got Troy Anderson. He was the 58th pick, also in the second round, linebacker out of Montana State. Okay, so when, when, I, when I heard Montana State, I was like, what the hell are we doing? But... This guy's the fastest linebacker in the draft, four four two, forty, and um, he was an absolute stud at Montana State. Played all the positions. He was like a quarterback, halfback, and he was the middle linebacker. Two hundred forty three pounds, one hundred forty seven tackles, fourteen tackles for loss in fifteen games. Seems like he is extremely athletic, and he also mentioned that playing quarterback really helped his development and helped him understand defenses more so when he shifted a linebacker he was like i kind of kind of know what the quarterback's thinking and you know i've seen coverages and i can kind of you know hopefully help out in terms of masking coverage in terms of what we're doing to try and fool the quarterback because i know what what you know affected me as the quarterback so i'm really interested to see how this kid develops and if he's that fast i'm really looking forward to seeing how he fits in i think this guy even though he played interior linebacker at school i think he has the potential to become the middle linebacker um, for the Falcons, because I don't think Deion Jones is sticking around much longer. And Arthur Smith did not mention Deion Jones when he was talking about the linebacker room uh, in, a, in a press conference after, I think, uh, Anderson was was uh, drafted. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this guy pans out. All right. This is where my draft night got annoying, because we all know 
Nicobe Dean was still on the board at this point, who was all everything middle linebacker at Georgia. There, there, it came out that there were some issues with an injury, a possible you know torn pectoral or something like that. Um, that wasn't known, you know, by the public on draft night. But I could not believe that they went with a middle linebacker who was not the all everything from the school right down the road. He was literally the captain and MVP of arguably the best defense in college football history in a in an era where you have to cover ground. This guy's tape is unreal. I have not seen this Troy Anderson's tape, but I don't really care what he was doing against, I don't know, South Montana State, whoever they're playing. I know that that's a good program and all that, and hey, this kid could be, could be great. Um, but this, we were just talking about the old Falcons regime, reeks of the old Falcons regime, taking someone who they love his measurables, he's got all this. Yeah, he's from a small school, but look how smart we're going to look when this guy's a baller. I'm so sick of that. What is it about Nakobe Dean that people just okay go nuts is, over? Do, do, do you guys remember Roquan Smith who came out and he's been in, he's been yes. with the Bears. He's now a stud. For two he's years. a stud. I know that. So he was he was the smartest player I'd ever seen play football, and he was a joy just to kind of watch fly around the field. Um, again, the the anticipation mixed with his speed, um, his athleticism, all that. Um, Dean is that, but better and more enjoyable to watch. Um, there, if you look up his highlight reel, um, I know that there was some, you know, people were wondering, wondering about his speed. Um, you got to watch a few of the plays he made against Michigan. Um, he had an interception, a few interceptions this year, one, a pick six against Florida. That was amazing. Um, he is, he was such a joy to watch. And I think the reason that it makes me so mad is that it seems like film isn't something that is valued as much anymore. Um, I'm not sure why. And again, this Troy guy could have just as amazing film, but you got to look at the competition too. Um, I mean, Dean was doing this in the SEC. Um, he did this against Alabama. He did this against Michigan in the playoff. Um, he was incredible to watch to the point where I think at one point during the season, I was just telling people, hey, when George is playing, don't take your eyes off number 17 on defense because he will either get everyone in position pre-snap and whoever he gets in position is going to make a play or he will sniff something out during a play or you know pre-motion or something like that that he's going to be in the, the perfect position, um, make the perfect play, and he's, he's not only able to get in the right position, but he makes the tackle. I just think, like, I hear what you're, everything you're saying, but I think this Georgia bias is just like, there's something real to it because Buck Blue, you know, a lot of people the Falcons draft like are saying, you know, B plus A, like a lot of like the experts. Buck Blue gives it an F, a hard <laughs> F, and he he he's continues to back like agree. Yes, it's an F. Yeah, that's it's the, an F. That's a Georgia and bias. A, a lot of it is because of Georgia no, bias for sure. But and, and at the end of the day, I hear no. your local thing. I hear attracting fans, but at the end of the day, you want the best players no matter where they come so from. So you saying. That uh, that Troy Anderson's better than Nicobe Dean. I, I I don't know, man, but I know like so. No. Nicobe Dean sounds like you, Arthur. Do you remember Ben Bulware from Clemson? That is not who he is. <laughs> so you need to Ben back up right now. Uh, ben Bulware was slow, but like he was one of those like 
four-year starters at Clemson. I was like, this kid's a stud. I would take him on the Falcons. And like the, walk on though, like come on. That's not, that's but he was a stud. He was always there in the national championship games, being a stud. He was always around the ball. I wanted it on my professional football team as well. And then I think he gets picked up by the Panthers as a practice squad player and never made it to the NFL. And now he like works at like I think he does like weightlifting or something. So the point is, and I'm not that's, saying they're the same is, player. I just have to stop and say no. They're not the not same player, and I get that. All. I get it. But the bias is there. Basically, he was he was the on-field general for the defense that put 10 players in the draft. And I feel like if you asked all 10 of those players who the best player on the defense was, it would have been him. Right. There's not a lack of talent, and, and there's not a lack of you know athleticism, any of that. Um, so that one was the one that really, that really got me going. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. Um, I mean, it got me going, too, a little bit. Even when I... I see how toolsy he can be. I'm also like, this guy has to develop probably a lot going from Montana yeah. State to the NFL. So it's like, this is a pick, I feel like, that is for the future um, to, to try and justify it from Fontenot's end. But, yeah, when you got Dean out there and a couple other linebackers from bigger schools who are maybe more proven, it's kind of like, I wonder what we're doing here. This is this is a question mark. I'm interested to see how he, how he develops, who he is, how he plays on Sunday. But... Um, He's also a guy that now that we have him, I'm not going to judge him too critically this year because I think he has a lot of development to do. So, and I'm I'm not against that. Obviously, like like we've said a few times, like I'm not against developing because I, I don't want to be that great this year. Right. I want a good you know draft pick next year. So, um, you know, I'm I'm fine with developing, but I don't know. This one just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. All right, now here comes the real. This is the real controversial pick for me. I'll probably go on an Arthur rant here. You guys will have to <laughs> calm me down. Uh, Desmond Ritter, quarterback of Cincinnati oh. in round three. When we drafted a quarterback in the third round, I almost about blew my top. <laughs> I think I felt violently ill, almost threw up. Um, was very upset by this pick, even though I recognize that this guy's a pretty solid player. And it's the third round. I don't care. It's not the first round. It doesn't matter. The one, the one benefit of drafting a quarterback in the third round is you don't have to pay him that much. So if this is actually the quarterback of the future and he's really fucking good, the salary compared to a first-round quarterback is is huge. Yeah, you're, you're not committed to this guy. Like, this was no. an, another guy. People had him going in the first round, and we get him in the third. Right. That's a steal. And we obviously but need a quarterback and we, have no secession plan. The, 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 but the issue is, is that we do have a quarterback for these lean years that we're about to have in Marcus Mariota. And I don't really feel like when we have so many needs, taking a quarterback in the third round is a smart thing to do. I, I feel like you keep forgetting that next year we have like $180 million to spend in free agency. That's, that's fine. You know what you do with that $180 million? You want to spend it on a quarterback. No, I want to spend it on an offensive line. You want to just you, you want to spend it all on your offensive line? and, and Not all of it, but you can get some really good players but my thing that is, are ready to go. But, but my thing is I don't want to blow – you know, a bunch of money on, I'm not saying it's a weird thing. I'd rather develop a lot of these players internally than, than spend a shit ton of money in free agency. Because when those contracts don't work out, you're really screwed. Well, you just have PTSD from Thomas Dimitrov and you just assume that you can't sign any good free agents. No, I, I'm, I, I, I recognize that we'll have a shit ton of, of, of cap space, but wouldn't you rather have maybe a solid defensive lineman or a solid offensive lineman? Cause we haven't drafted one at this point yet in the draft and taking a flyer on the quarterback from Cincinnati who, even though he had 30 touchdowns and threw for over 4,000 yards and led Cincinnati to the playoff. 
I think Des- uh, Desmond Ritter is a better bet than any third-round offensive or defensive lineman in general. There's why? a better chance. Why? He, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, in the nation. I, I, I can't even say that statement. All I know is he was a highly rated quarterback prospect, one of the top like three-rated quarterback prospects versus whatever you're getting in the third round. That's like all – there's swings and misses. Like Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying like – it's once again, it's like the wide receiver pick. It's cart before the horse. Do not draft a quarterback right now. It's you, you need to develop a quarterback. You stunt his growth because he has no offensive line. You stunt his growth. You stunt his growth. He's going to be slaughtered this year if he plays. Slaughtered. Absolutely slaughtered. You think Matt Ryan got, I mean, even though he does have more athleticism than Matt Ryan, that line gave up 48 quarterback sacks and over, eight, and over 95 hits. And it's the same line. Right. Worst quarterback, Arthur. We've reached the part of the show where Graham and I get in the same argument, it's and Graham drops the same stats every single week. Do you have any thoughts? But is that is well, that now, not true? You, you have the benefit of a tiebreaker now because I kind of agree with both of you. Oh, um, I, I agree, Adam. That it was time. You know, it's it's a safe spot to take a quarterback. So I don't necessarily agree that this was a terrible you know choice to go ahead and take a flyer. Um, I don't agree that Desmond Ritter was the quarterback to take a stab on. Um, I would have rather seen Malik Willis um, just because there's more upside there. Um, you know, I, there was, you know, the same thing, same argument about competition. Um, I mean, Malik Willis played at Liberty. Um, he lost, he never got the starting job at Auburn. Um, so there might be something to, to look at there. Like, oh, maybe he's, you know, not everything everyone's saying. But again, it was pretty unanimous that he has the, the tools for a better upside. Um, so again, I'm not, I was in the camp to take a quarterback. Um, but Graham, I completely understand where you're coming from too. I mean, it's not going to be something that makes a lot of sense for this year and he really shouldn't play this year. It's, and that's, that shouldn't be the plan. And if that's not the plan, then why are we even taking him? And I completely understand where you're coming from that, that angle. It's also just, you had a guy and, and who was drafted right after him and Travis Jones, big, beefy. Defensive tackle that was ready, that had seven and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks last year. Oh, you don't and, know anything and, about and Travis 50 Jones. tackles. He's considered one of the better defensive tackles in the draft. And I'd rather build that line on either side than take a quarterback right now. I want guys who are developing now, who will see the field now. I'm not saying they have to make an impact. I just want them to learn and develop. We're just way behind the gun on those. We have players who are trying to do that now. What about Marlon Davidson? Screw that, man. You no. you, you, you quit on him. Yes. You're, not, you're not actually giving him a chance to develop? No. So you, you think this... That was this, a bad pick last year, if we want to go back in time. Yeah. That was the second best defensive tackle from an Auburn team who was mediocre, and he got a lot of help from Brown, who was the, the better defensive tackle, getting double teamed. So that was a terrible pick last year. Yeah, I didn't like that but, pick either. But yeah, you know, this year, this this guy was a hoss, and he was drafted by a team that knows how to scout defensive tackles in the Ravens. And so it lets me know that he's probably going to be a legitimate NFL player. Oh, the, the Ravens never miss on any of their very picks. rarely. They miss on receivers, they miss on quarterbacks, but they do not miss on defensive linemen like we do. Good qualifier uh, with the other group. Him being from Connecticut bothers me, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think the concept of never, like, you need to develop a quarterback when you're developing a team as well. Yeah, but when you don't have the pieces around him on the offensive line to really fully support his growth, it is a bad pick. Now, if you were to go out and do your plan at him next year, 
and you you sign two really good, you sign a good tackle, another good guard, or something like that, and then or a center, and then you're like, now let's draft a quarterback of the future. All for it. Build the foundation, then build the house. Don't build the walls without the fucking floor. So, so you think all the offensive linemen we have don't have a chance to develop or get better? Caleb McGarry's not going to develop. Falcons declined his fifth-year option. This is a contract year for him. That shows how much confidence they have in him. The only good offensive linemen we have are Jake Matthews and Lindstrom. That's it. We got nothing else except for maybe the center we drafted in, like, the fifth round or whatever. That was another pick that pissed me off. I don't know. The more I talk about this draft, the more it upsets me. It just feels like it's contrarian to how you build a football team. We didn't pick a center. But we did. No. But we picked an offensive lineman we somewhere. We picked zero offensive linemen. Are you serious? No, we, we picked the offensive linemen. Justin Schaefer in the sixth round. Oh, you're right. Justin Schaefer. Yeah. Wait, why? so why are you upset about drafting Schaefer, Graham? Because we picked him before Jeremy uh, Slater, who was the uh, – Jeremy Sawyer, who was the best tackle we had at Georgia last year. <laughs> and he, was, he got taken like four picks behind. And then I, I was like, what the hell is happening? Well, This the, is un- – because – it's because um, Sawyer was was a tackle, probably slated as a guard. Um, Schaefer is a guard and played guard for most of the season. But the reason that Hutchinson didn't have a sack against Georgia in the, uh, when they played Michigan because uh, Jeremy Sawyer and Will Anderson didn't have a, a great game in the national championship against him either. And they, they even moved him inside. And instead of, you know, trying to go against the guard, they just move um, Jeremy Sawyer inside and just played him against him still. Like, that that has to say something about the skill level of this player that, for some reason, was taken so late. And again, not taken by the Falcons, and we chose another Georgia player, which, you know, I'm happy about all that. But um, it was a little baffling. That one was a little baffling to me. So that, that account for uh, Buck Blue's F grade as well. <laughs> that that logically makes a lot of sense, but Graham, is that why you you do about that other Georgia tackle that we could have drafted? Is that why you don't like the Schaefer pick? Uh, no, it's more like usually when you draft an offensive lineman late in the draft, they don't pan out for the most part. Usually, in the top four or five rounds historically, actually no, top four rounds usually where you find your quality offensive lineman for the most part mm-hmm. historically. Now there are exceptions. I, I think the, the knock, uh, the knock among those two, those two picks again, why they're both slated to be guards in the NFL, is because they have short arms. I know I heard that when they were, um, you know, when they were talking through the prospects, they both have like, I don't know, thirty-four inch arms. I don't know what's small, but um, that's one of those things that also annoys me. And I'd rather them look at the tape of him dominating the second overall pick in the possible first overall pick for next year. Right. So, that is a, that is a salient point. I didn't consider that, but that. That's why you're here, man. That's good shit. <laughs> Ritter, what are your expectations, Adam, this year for him? I expect him to learn from Mariota. And if he apparently models his game after Mariota. He says a lot of things. He, he like models his game after Mariota and like he's he's saying like Super Bowl or bust or something like that. He it's said, like, I'm not gonna leave till we win a Super Bowl. It's like, whoa, bro, slow down. You don't know where you're coming. But I don't, I, don't, I don't have expectations. I think it's like it's a good pick, and I'm excited to like watch a young quarterback get his ass kicked, or <laughs> or do well, or do well. Yeah. What are you gonna do if it? Okay, if this scenario happens, what will you do? If it's like Sam Darnold in New York Jets, and he just gets slaughtered, gets sacked like 45 times, throws like 18 interceptions, he's just horrible because the offensive line is terrible, and we play him too much, and he and then he's just a bust. What will you say? 
Um, I'm glad we didn't invest in him and drafted him in the third round and let's go get a first-round quarterback. Fair. That is the one. That's the beauty of it. That is the benefit of it. You're exactly right. If it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. It's not like we're, we're not. He's not necessarily our future. No. He could be. It's just it's it's a, it's a thing. And if he is, the beauty part of it is, as we talked about, you don't have to pay him that much money because the third, you know, he's drafting the third round. So that cap space you're talking about is even bigger. Because if you're playing, if you're drafted him in the first round or drafted Malik Wilson for or whatever some quarterback in the first round you'd be on the a big hook for for that player. So um, and, and one more thing to add with the quarterback, and I think Adam, I, I might have talked to you about this, but the um, the one thing about you know the upside about drafting a quarterback like this on a rebuilding team is if let's say Mariota gets hurt in week five, which we know he's going to get hurt at some point and miss some games, um, you know, and he comes in and plays amazing. And all of a sudden, we have the hot new commodity at quarterback. And again, this could happen with Ritter, too. So um, this wasn't only for Malik Willis or whoever. But um, all of a sudden, we have a very cheap quarterback. So the most premium position on the field, very, very cheap. And we have $100 million to go get people who want to play around a really great young quarterback. So if, if you want to get good real fast, you know, get a really good promising young quarterback that people actually want to come play with. Um, that's, that's the upside to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Hopefully, but I don't think he's going to play well because he doesn't have a good offensive line. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Matt Ryan had one of the worst years of his career last year, largely due to that offensive line. Well, he's also old. He had no time to throw the ball. You sacked 48 times. That means you have a bad offensive line. All right, let's move on. Or you take too long to get rid of the ball. Okay, so when he's not even <laughs> on, we haven't even made his five-step drop and he's already got people on him, is that his fault? That's not his fault. Don't put him in a five-step drop. How about that? Sorry, three-step drop. That's what I meant to say. That's not his fault. Could have been shot, shotgun, one step throw <laughs> to none of our. I guess we don't have one. Well, they had we had no, no wide receivers. They either. had no wide receivers. <laughs> now we do. One guy does not make a receiver room. All right, fourth round, we drafted D'Angelo Malone, a rusher, edge rusher from Western Kentucky. Um, don't know a lot about him. Thirty-four sacks in his uh, career, three hundred forty-nine tackles, sixty tackles for loss. Pretty solid numbers once again, coming from Western Kentucky. And also another small edge rusher, 6'3", 243 pounds. I like doubling down. I'll just say that much. Yeah. Arthur, any thoughts on him? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I mean, what are you going to say? <laughs> Once again, we'll see uh, what he does, if he's going to be an edge rusher or maybe a, a linebacker. I don't know. All right, then fifth <laughs> round. Another position of, of need, I would say, uh, running back, Tyler Legier. Sure, I butchered that. Out of BYU. Know nothing about this kid. But But Blues says he has fumbling issues. Yes, but he also rushed for over 1,600 yards last year and was tied for the lead in the nation with 23 rushing touchdowns. So, that's got to count for something. And it was enough for us to cut Mike Davis. It was enough for us to cut Mike Davis. I think that was a... uh that was a payroll issue, though. We needed money to pay these new guys. Yeah, but I think also when you're drafted running back, you're saying, fuck it. Yeah. You know, we're going to cut Mike Davis. And also, here's an yeah. encouraging stat, I think. More than 70% of his yards came after contact, which is great because you're running behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league. So you're going to need uh, you're gonna need that in full full force. That's that guy. Cool. I think we have too many uh, opinions on him. Now we'll get... Uh, Arthur's full analysis on these guys. We got Justin Schaefer, who you already talked about, was the sixth pick. 
you were not as high on him, seemingly. I'm not as high on him. He's he's definitely a good player and one of, you know, there have been a lot of offensive linemen that have come out of Georgia the, the past few years. I don't think he's one of the ones that, like, stood out like crazy, um, but he's always been very solid. He played early in his career, so um, that's always a good sign as well. Um, he's got, you know, pretty decent size. Um, definitely got to slide in as a guard. Um, don't think he has that tackle capability. He didn't play tackle at Georgia. So um, a lot of times I know you get, you know, tackles in college that slide inside that have the right size or maybe, again, like maybe not long enough arms or not very quick laterally that, you know, again, can get by in high, in college but um, have to slide inside. Um, but I'm actually a fan of drafting someone who knows the position already. So yeah. he can come in and, and play right away. So that's something we definitely needed. Do you think he can play center at all or, or no? No, I know that um, we had several players that that played center for us um, this year, and he wasn't one of them. Okay. Um, so obviously, it was something that he had an opportunity to do, um, just because we didn't have one that really commanded that job throughout the season. We had two um, who kind of went back and forth due to some injury and whatever. Um, but I think that he's definitely solidly a guard. I don't think he's going to play anywhere else. Good deal. And then we had. Uh John Fitzpatrick tied in uh, Georgia. He was actually the, um, to start the season last year, was the fourth string tight end at Georgia. Okay. Um, and went up to the third string tight end. He played a lot, you know, mostly a blocker. Um, he's huge. Um, so he can really, you know, slide in there and kind of be your, your sixth blocker when you're, when you're going big. Um, but he can definitely catch the ball and he runs good routes and um, really disciplined, all that stuff. So um, he's really, really solid just not going to be someone who wows you with, you know, getting down the field and breaking a bunch of tackles and all that. Mm-hmm. Offensive line help. Offensive line help. Sounds yeah. like your boy Lee Smith, Adam. Can, yeah, I think he's yeah. like the Lee Smith replacement this year, mm-hmm. I guess. So that is that is the draft. That was our last pick? That's our last pick. Didn't draft punt got Adam. He went to the Bills. They're going to love him, man. Yeah, we're a name like that. That's kind of where you, where you belong, I think. I think he was the third punter taken, which was crazy. After after you guys were telling me about him, I was looking for him to go off the board, and I think the Penn State and Georgia punters both went before that guy. That's crazy. Matt Areza, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well. They didn't watch tape. Yep, should have. So that's the, that's the draft. We'll we'll see how it how it shakes out. I mean, I think the, the guys that have the most uh, – the ability to make the most impact are probably – the uh, BKT, the uh, defensive end from Penn State and London, obviously. Um, and I think Mr. Anderson's going to see uh, a lot of action this year. I don't know about the other people as much, seeing a lot of time, but I think those those uh, those three are going to see the field quite a bit this season. I mean, London's got to be yeah. your number one receiver coming out. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, uh, people were talking about London having the upside of Michael Thomas. So, I mean, there's definitely upside there. And, again, sure. no one knows. Yeah. You know, there's going to be busts all over the place. Um, you know, half these first rounders aren't going to work out. Um, I love when people give their draft grades, like you were saying, Buck Blue gives, gives this an F. Um, <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is nobody knows until, right. you know, two or three years down the line. So, yeah. who knows? That being said, what, what, what grade do you give this draft? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess you'll have to have me on in two or three years. To, oh, to make, man. <laughs> it's not stupid, but I give this a, a C just because it's very average. And, um, you know, I think... I like that we took a stab on a quarterback. 
I don't agree with the quarterback, but I'm kind of in that camp Adam was in with taking a stab. Um, but I don't really love the other positional players we picked, so I guess to see. I don't know. What about you guys? I do a C minus for the reasons I've already stated. B plus. B plus. I think we addressed a lot of needs. I'm excited about the future of the Falcons. And I think, in general, we are heading in a good direction. I like what I've seen from Fontenot over the past week. Fair enough. Well, I guess we'll leave it there, boys. Yeah. Arthur, I want to thank you for for coming on the show, man. Um, It sounds like I I just split the difference right between you guys, so that's that's good. Um, But, yeah, I enjoyed uh, giving my opinions. It's better than just shouting it to no one on Twitter (laughs) and not hearing any kind of response, so... Um, this is definitely more satisfying. All right, Arthur. All right. We'll talk to you later, man. Farewell, friend. Bye. And I think now it's time to take a little break uh, and hear from our friends from DraftKings. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? The DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom! You have a shot and an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a Same Game Parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Here's what you need to do, Graham. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Adam, we're back. We've got a couple more Falcons news and nuggets to cover before we move on to your Atlanta Braves. Uh, the big one is Grady Jarrett, Adam. Grady Jarrett is here to stay. Three-year extension he signed. Somewhere in the $60 million range. Uh, how do you feel? The contract was reasonable. And you're bringing in a stalwart on your defense that wants to be here. And it's a reasonable contract. That's the biggest thing. Like, it's not a dumb move. It's not an overpaying to be a no, Falcon for life. No, it's not. Um, yeah, the contract, I'm fine with the numbers. I think 20, no, uh, it's $20 million after this year for like three years. Right, and um, it's an average annual value of about $17 million. So that's, that's a steal, honestly. And I think the reason we were able to get Grady that low is because he hasn't put up last couple years the same numbers he usually does because he has no help so that helped us retain him i think he's a very important part of this team he is you know the kind of player that you want to build around uh, your defensive line the problem is the falcons have never been able to really do that with him um the the only thing i have against not keeping or not trading grady is that i feel like by the time his and this is just my opinion. I can be totally wrong. But by the time the Falcons are competitive again, you know, Gray's contract's going to be up again. So you think it's going to be like four or five years before we're competitive? I think it's going to be at least two. Two to three. And remember, we haven't been competitive for 
since the, <laughs> five six years for the 2017 yeah. and 2018 yeah. season, right? So yeah. last four seasons have been dog shit. You know this year is going to be dog shit. Next year might be better if we have good draft and a good free agency, but you never know. I think year two, I look for improvements. This year, yeah, I don't in think. In terms of second year, like in Dean Pease's scheme, second year with Arthur Smith, like from Grady or from everybody, just the team as a whole. I disagree. Granted, you don't have Matt Ryan as quarterback yeah. anymore, but you don't have Matt Ryan. You don't have Russell Gage. Not that Russell Gage is like that important. You don't have uh, your linebacking core is is you know not having. Um, Who's the guy we love so much? Foyer. You know, that hurts. It just feels like you've lost a lot um, about what made the team actually not good last year or even decent, but, you know, mediocre. Like, you're going to be a two to three win team this year. No, you're so wrong. You're always so wrong on on these thinking that we're going to be the worst team in America. We're I not. said we're going to be a five win team last year. And we won like seven. Yeah, so I'm two saying, to three wins. I said two no. to three wins. No, we're, we're I'll gonna, make a bet right we're now. We're going to win six to seven games oh, again. Get the hell out of here! You, so you, when, know, you remember they they play six seventeen games again. Yeah, we'll lose the majority of them. You think two wins? Two wins is I think three wins is the ceiling. I will. I'll put a hundred bucks that we win more than three games. Four. No. Fifty for four. You said two to three. I'm gonna look at our schedule. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> We're going to win too many games again. That's what we always do. This team's not going to do that, though. This team is so bad. They got two shutdown corners. We got one shutdown corner. Casey right. Hayward. Here's the games I think we can win. Seattle against Seattle, against Chicago, and against uh, Washington. So I can't in good faith bet $100 um, that will win more than... Wait, you say it's three games? We win more than three games? Yeah. So if we win three or less, you win. I'll bet $50 on that. Done. All right. Easy. We played the Panthers twice. I don't care. Okay. I think we'll get I think we'll get swept. Saints don't have Sean Payton. Saints are still much better than we are. Okay. We also played the NFC AFC North this year. And I just think we're gonna get we played 49ers. Play the Chargers. I just think we're going to get crushed. So Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong this time, Graham. All right. But I feel like you're going to be right, and we're going to win six games again somehow by the grace of uh, – it's not even grace to win six games, but somehow we'll luck our way into uh, a couple wins that we shouldn't have. I just don't think you realize how bad teams are that win one or two games. This looks like one of those teams to me. This looks like a classic Jaguars-Jets kind of thing. You literally don't have a good quarterback anymore. Against with one of the worst offensive lines in football, Mariota's fine, and you don't know what other offensive lines look like. Matt Ryan was sacked and hit the most in the NFL last I know, year. I know. So, how's that going to improve Mariota? Mariota's ability does, to scramble. That's another bet I'd take: is that Mariota does not get sacked as many times. I won't take that because of his athletic uh, ability. Well, that and another year of development for the players. No, I won't. I won't. No, no I won't <laughs> take that bet. Okay. But um, just because Matt Ryan is so immobile. Um, but, yeah, so let the records show you a $50 bet. The Falcons will either if, – if the Falcons win more than three games, you win. If three games or less, I win. I'm going to put it on my calendar. Yeah, put it on there. All right, Graham, let's talk, talk some baseball. All right, so, yeah, Grady, there's nothing else in the Falcons, really. So, yeah, let's talk baseball. Very disappointed in this Braves team, Adam. <laughs> 
disappointed in the Falcons organization. You're just a sad Atlanta sports fan. I am. So sad. We got our world championship. Grab's sad. That was like seven months ago. Um, I'm forever grateful for it, but I am I am displeased at the moment. We've had the easiest schedule in baseball so far this year. I think our opponent's combined winning percentage is like 400 or something, or maybe even a little below that, and we have not done anything with it. We still only won one series against the Cubs. Split with the Mets, thankfully, today. But we're Good split. But we're we're behind by six games already. That's fine. I mean, it could have been eight. If we had lost today, it would be eight on May 4th. Yeah, if we won one of the games yesterday, it'd be four. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. It's like, this is not a good team right now. This team has still a lot of problems. You got the guys that were kind of, what? They do. Charlie Morton sucks now. You, you're, you, you give up on Charlie Morton? I'm giving up on Charlie Morton, and I'm going to tell you why. So when he was struggling during the uh, you know, the same period of last year, right? Mm-hmm. Still struck out 44 guys. He was still striking people out. Only 16 walks. Now, he's only struck out 13 people, and he's walked 13 people. He just doesn't have, he's just leaving a lot of pitches over the plate. He's not getting guys to chase. And it's, uh, he just doesn't look like the same pitcher. He still has a velocity, but, but, but no one is, he's not threatening the zone enough. And then because people aren't chasing, the pitches that he's actually throwing for strikes are getting hammered. You're not giving him any grace on breaking his leg in the World Series like six months ago? And a shortened spring training. And a shortened spring training. You don't think there's any possibility that Charlie Morton... Charlie Morton strikes me as the type of guy that if he doesn't have it, he's going to just retire. He might. You know? Yeah. So I mean, he said the fact he that he hasn't done that... Yeah, I don't think he would retire in the middle of the season, though. If he's retiring, I think it would happen at the end of the year. I, I just think it's crazy to give up on Charlie Morton. Which is what you've done I'm, yeah, on the record. I'm, I've, I've given up on him. He, he'll probably prove me wrong. But I'm just saying there's a big difference in when he was struggling last year versus when he's struggling this year. And the numbers are alarming. I mean, that game last night about the against the Mets, there was still like a ton of just like sloppy defensive plays of behind him. The defense is bad. That made it worse. And I, I thought it was great that he gutted his way through the sixth inning. Yeah. I mean, he's trying. He's doing his best. I don't I don't discount like the effort is there. And he, and like it's weird. He'll have these like early innings where he sucks and then he'll settle down and become more effective. It's just he's not striking anybody out. Even when he's getting people out, he's not doing it like he used to. Give it time, Graham. Give it time. That's not a man I give up on. He didn't even get a swing and miss pitch until thirty pitches into the game. Like that doesn't happen to Charlie Morton usually. Still encourage Max Fried's pitching like he's the best pitcher on the planet right now. I think he's he's been outstanding. Kyle Wright's still pitching really well. Ian Anderson had a huge, absolutely huge start today. Did such a good job, I thought, in his work. Um, six strong innings. Ran into a little trouble after we got the big lead, but we really needed a big start today, and and we got one from him. Yeah, I mean. Back to Kyle Wright, the fact that his bad starts now are seven innings, three runs. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, it's not his fault that the offense can't score anything. Yeah. Until today. But, yeah, they open it up today. I think they will get it going. Um, Acuna's still trying to find a swing. He hasn't played in a year and didn't have spring training. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried. I mean, he almost hit a home run the other night. Um, it's this damn dead ball thing. It's a it's, real problem That's what I'm saying. Us. We were talking about last week how it's a big problem for the Braves. And it really is. I mean, you saw how horrible, you know, we've been with like runners in scoring position this this whole year. And it's like, 
yeah, we lead majors in base and in home runs, I think, still. But I think what only two or three of them have been with guys on on base. They're mostly solo shots. So law of percentages, Graham. You don't think it's gonna even out at any I point? I hope so. I mean, we have like the, the, we're first in the league in like hard hit rate or whatever that bullshit stat right. is. Right. I mean, that's and that's great. We have been unlucky. I think we've been unlucky. Like the Mets apparently have the highest batting average ball in play in baseball. I'm not impressed by the Mets lineup at all. Like, no, they didn't really do much to make me like freak out. Their pitching was pretty their good. Their pitching's good, but their bullpen's not that good. Diaz is good, but yeah, the rest of their pen, I'm not. Yeah, really they have good a good closer. Concerned. Yeah, like their bullpen's not that great, yeah. and like. Their lineup isn't like loaded or anything. No, it's not like an insane. There's nothing to be scared of. It's not like the Dodgers where you're like, oh, look at that lineup. You know, um, I think, and I think the Mets will regress a little bit. Um, Scott Coleman had a great tweet the other day saying that the Mets lead baseball in batting average and balls in play, which means they're like with three, like they're hitting three thirteen as a team when the when the ball is in play. So that's that number is going to come down, and they're also first in in pitching in terms of. Like opponents batting average and things like that, they're 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 first in a lot of categories where it's like you're gonna get some regression in that. And I'm not like too scared of them after watching this this uh, series, but we gotta get our shit together, man. We're still striking out way too much. Still lead the majors in strikeouts. We're 25th in the majors with um, 598 OPS with guys in scoring position, and with only 281 on base percentage with guys in scoring position. So it's like awful. In comparison, last year we led the majors 822 OPS with runners in scoring position, and we're second with a 339 on base percentage. Cannot continue to not drive guys in, and it was a great sign today. See Dansby, Darno um, driving guys in. Um, Albie's got a hit with a runners in scoring position as well, but like it was very nice to to see everybody contribute. Even Heredia hit a home run. Uh, Cunha had a nice double today. So it's like the the the, the guys the guys reviving. Yeah, no, spl- splitting up in New York is that's huge. Yeah, it just sucks that we dropped two or three to the Rangers, who, sh- who suck. Yeah, no, I, it, it makes no sense. It's that, dumb. Yeah, that game we watched uh, together on Saturday night, there were I think seven consecutive innings where we went one, two, three. Yeah, against Dunning, I, I remember saying I was like, "This Dunning guy is this someone we need to trade for? He looks like a stud." No, he, he's he, pitching he, against us. Yeah, like it's so weird how. I don't know. This team's kind of like an, like Darno's hot as hell, though. I will say in terms of how he's playing, he's been he was clutch as hell in that um, the first game we won won against the Mets. Huge today. He's hitting like five thirty runners in scoring position. He's he's doing awesome. Um, he's probably our best damn offensive player right now. It's May. Like I can't I, I can't overanalyze anything this early in the baseball yeah, season. It's just I'm officially concerned. I'm not sounding the alarm, but I'm officially <laughs> concerned about this team. I think our defense is terrible, and uh, you know, in the outfield, we've got to. I mean, we can't just sit around and wait for Eddie Rosario to, um, you know, come galloping in and save us. Again, the chances of that happening, I don't think, are as high as, as some people surmise. So, I feel like we got to either see what's going on in the minor leagues with Waters potentially, which might be rushing him, which is probably not a good idea. The outfield defense is not sustainable with what's going on right now. Like, Demerit's nice, but I don't think he's the answer, you know, in a corner outfield position long-term. Um, Duvall is not doing well offensively. I know he had a good game today, but, like, he's been he's been terrible. Um, even though his defense is important, but it's like, man, I don't know. It just this doesn't feel like this team has an identity right now. They're just kind of going through the motions, and they're not taking advantage of situations they need to take advantage of. Could be worse. 
Could be the Reds. Yeah, it could be three and nineteen. Could have not just won a World Series. Could four not months just ago. Yes, yes. Yeah. Six months ago, whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. You know me. I'm. I'm not an overreaction guy. No. And but you're not concerned at all about anything. No. No. It's not worried about leading the majors in strikeouts or anything like that. They they had no spring training. They're getting it going. Dansby's bat's starting to look a lot better. He's he is looking better. He's um Olsen, I think is going to come out of his slump here. Yeah, I mean he's he had that a good was, few games. That was big for him. He had a good two really good games in the doubleheader uh, yesterday. Um drew a walk today, didn't really do like, anything. I know do I know Duval's a good hitter. He's going to start hitting. I'm just worried about that dead ball for him, man. He's just not he still hasn't hit a home run. It'll come. Yeah. But yeah, Dansby looks a lot better at the plate. He's still striking out too much, but he is um, he, he's on a stretch here. The last two weeks he's hitting close to 300. Looks a lot better at the plate. And coming up with actually some timely hits. Um, he looks a little bit more like postseason Dansby right now. So, yeah, that's where the Braves are at. And uh, we'll see how you know this next stretch of opponents treats them. We know we talked about Boston, Milwaukee, San Diego. So you're not, you're not getting any cream puff teams. So... That's who you're facing over the next couple weeks. And I think that wraps us up today, Adam. And uh, we want to thank everybody out there for listening to the show. And uh, we will see you all next week. Until Actually, we probably won't see you next week because you're going uh, on a business trip. I'll be gone, Graham. Yeah. Personal. Personal. Yeah. Not a business trip. Nope. We work hard around here. A little vacay. I can't believe that you're uh, breaking that up. (laughs) Well earned. Well Well earned. earned. Yes. All right. Rise up. Chop on. Unite and conquer. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Thomas. Hospital Thomas.